one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are wonderful. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. In this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show, my book, Keto Bodybuilding, which has been on the bestseller list on Amazon for quite a while, that, has, that would be like something that, that I'm most uh, recognizable for. A lot of people tend to carry these different issues and turmoil from past histories and past memories inside them already. And they kind of forget about what's the bigger picture of why they're doing it, why they decide to get, get fit psychological and physiological detachment from everything, whether that be food or like some sort of narrative that you tell in, in your head, you're going to have to let it all go. Hey everyone, I know you'll enjoy the interview. If you'd like to learn more of my top biohacking secrets, get a free copy of my best-selling book called The Biohacker's Guide to Upgraded Energy and Focus for free at biohackersguide.com. It's over 500 pages of my top biohacks and I'll send it to you for free if you cover a small shipping cost. Get your free copy at biohackersguide.com. Simland, what's up my brother? What is up, Anthony? Yeah, really, really glad to be on the show. Yeah, I'm excited to hang out with you, man. How are things in Estonia? Well, at the moment, like it's one of the most beautiful time of the year, like summer, midsummer, and uh, really enjoying the la- like. I've I've been charging up my mitochondria for the coming winter. Definitely spending a lot of time outside and exposing myself to natural sunlight. So it's yeah, the perfect time to do it at the moment. How much are you exposing yourself? Are you all in? <laughs> well, of course, in, when, you're, when you're out public, then uh, you definitely want to, you know, stay to a certain limit of convenience. But uh, yeah, I do try to uh, even like do some uh, full, full-on sunbathing every once in a while and really, really, you know, get some <laughs> in all parts of the body. Yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it feel, feels really good and uh, definitely something that build, you can definitely feel once you're gonna, you've, you've adapted to it after a while. And even if you start to miss it, especially during the winter months, then you're gonna notice a huge difference when you do do it. Yeah, a little over a year ago, I picked up, my ex-girlfriend and I picked up a pair of tan through bathing suits. I got one for her and one for me. And these things arrived and... I mean, it might as well have been fish netting. It was completely <laughs> see-through. And she immediately vetoed it. She's like, you're not leaving the house in that or wearing it anywhere. And, wow. and so we sent those ones back. And then I got a pair of Kinnicky tan-through swim trunks, which were a little bit better in terms of what other people could see, but still an absolutely hideous piece of clothing, just like blue tie-dye little like butt huggers. So I'll wear those a good amount and I'll wear like normal shorts over. And then I'll go to a spot on the beach where there's still not a ton of people. And then only then will I drop the normal shorts and get the sun to the boys. But yeah, it's, it's definitely more fun just going on natural when it's not going to get you locked up and thrown in an Estonian jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's always a matter of, you know, you have to take in count the other people and those around you who aren't yeah. as crazy biohackers as we are. So. Right, right. You know, man, when I, when I worked at David Barton Gym in Chicago, I taught yoga and did personal training there. 
And it was a big issue. I guess before I even arrived, they had an issue with guys like hooking up in the sauna and then they put the kibosh on that. But even after they got rid of that issue, you would go to use the sauna there and you'd walk in and there would be a lot of men completely naked, way too comfortable exposing themselves to everybody else, mm-hmm. almost to the degree that it seemed intentional. And there was this one dude that used to sit like with it, or he would stand with his feet up on the seat of the sauna, like a gargoyle, completely <laughs> naked, just with everything hanging out. And you yeah. couldn't even prepare for it. Cause you'd come around the corner, you'd open up the sauna and there's this old dude sitting there, oh. like sitting there, like a gargoyle <laughs> character. You're just like, Oh, you just fucked up oh. my morning, dude. <laughs> and, uh, and I eventually stopped using the sauna there because it was just too awkward. You don't want to feel like you're correcting people or whatever, but, um, yeah, that's crazy. Like, especially in these parts of the world, like it's actually very common for guys to go into the sauna, you know, butt naked completely and do some heat, heat exposure and, you know, whip, whip each other with these, uh, leaves as well, like birch leaves and things like that to promote the detox and lymph flow. So from an outsider, it's definitely something very, you know, even <laughs> what are those guys doing? And it's like completely bizarre, but yeah. it has a, it's, it's almost like a part of culture also, also. Yeah. Here, try this ball gag. It's, it's a biohack. What? This, this feels what? weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we did that at the, the second biohacking week. I took all the guys to Chicago sweat lodge and we spent like four hours just bouncing between the sauna and the cold plunge pool back and forth doing that contrast therapy. And then I went and bought us a bunch of the birch branches and you got to soak them, I guess, for like a few days, but we weren't going to be there for a few days. So we just, we soaked them for a few minutes and we were doing that too. But, um, yeah, so I, I, you feel fantastic afterwards. It's actually like, I've done some Qigong where a similar strategy where you're hitting the lymph nodes and, um, just kind of almost it's, it's a hermetic stressor, right? You're like drawing attention to that part of the body, flushing things out. Um, and there's how, also something unique, unique, there's something unique about this contrast of going into this hardcore heat and then going into very extreme cold, like the, the amplitude is so huge and your body is something, it's something that you really wouldn't be able to experience in nature as a natural thing. Of course, you could be in the savannah and sweat your ass off and you could be in the Arctic and freeze your ass off, but no hunter-gatherer in nature would actually experience these huge polarities so that's why I think like these uh, hot and cold exposure or contrasting between them, that's like the one of the best examples of biohacking that is actual biohacking of changing the environment that is unnatural almost uh, that you wouldn't expose to in, in nature, but it has like a huge hormetic and health benefits for your entire organism. So like, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We, um, did you, did you go on the offsite expedition after you spoke at the biohacking summit? Uh, yeah, yeah, we did. Was that at, was it Vessi's place? The guy that makes the Sally seats? Well, it, it was in Stockholm. So the ah. Vessi lives in Finland. So, ah, yes. Yeah. Oh, so you spoke at the, you spoke at the Stockholm one. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So what'd you guys do afterwards? Well, we went to this, um, archipelago in, in, near Stockholm with the islands and, uh, we spent some time in nature, did some saunas, calisthenics, yoga, meditation. And, uh, yeah, in general, it was really enjoyable. <laughs> Like it was like a perfect retreat, retreat back into nature after, after having spent time in this, uh, like the busy, busy downtown of Stockholm. What was Stockholm like? 
it was uh, i think like stockholm is a very uh, health conscious place like you, you see people riding their bicycles and there's a lot of room for like general fitness and uh, overall clean environment when you compare it to other you know metropolises in the world but yeah the people are also quite um, healthy in, in my opinion you don't see a lot of obesity or you don't see <laughs> like fatigue most people are quite uh, energized there True or false that Stockholm has some of the most beautiful women in the world? <laughs> I would say, uh, I would say like Estonian women are probably more beautiful. <laughs> really? <laughs> because I'm from Estonia. Yeah, like they they do like let's say the top three would be you know Finnish, Estonian, or or Swedish girls. They would be like the top three uh most beautiful women in the world but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna you know rank them in any particular order but you know that would be the top three because because yeah they're quite you know blonde hair blue eyes clear skin and uh, in general like quite healthy habits so that's that's what i think is the like most attractive about them and is are things like yoga and and meditation popular in estonia and and finland i've only experienced finland from the biohacking summit subculture. So everybody there is weird like us, but it like in the United States, yoga has blown up in the past 10 years, even like five years ago, it was much less popular. Has that same transformation taken place where you're at? It's, it, it is quite popular and, uh, but uh, not like in a mainstream way the, the, the most people would still go to the gym on our, on our, like doing like a regular routine or something. And they may add like some meditation or yoga into their other, other, other like weekdays. But in general, like most people stick to the basics of simply lifting some weights and uh, doing cardio. Yeah. I think part of the popularity of yoga and meditation is that so many people are fucking stressed to the gills and anxious from how much we have coming at us with email and text messages and social and everything. And they're like, I need to calm the fuck down. What can I do? All right. Yoga kind of helps a little bit. Meditation kind of helps a little bit doing a whole bunch of breath work and intentionally hyperventilating helps a little bit. I think we're looking for solutions. It's not necessarily that there's been a huge shift in, in the collective consciousness. It's more that like, Hey, I need to bring myself back down to baseline. Um, nice. Sim, when people ask you what you do or like, what do you say? What do you tell them? <laughs> well, uh, I, I don't really like to def- define myself or to categorize myself into a very, you know, narrow frame or something. And part of it is also the reason that I'm not the person I used to be in the past and I'm not the person I'm going to be in the future. So I'm always kind of in this process of changing and evolving and, uh, and, uh, and self-discovery as well. But what I do is like, I'm a, I'm a basically think of myself as an author, a researcher, a content creator online. I do some coaching and uh, I do some experiments. I'm a, I am a, in terms of like, I'm a biohacker. But I also like to think of the majority of what I do is involved with self-inquiry, self-discovery and trying to optimize the human experience to the best of my ability and knowledge. So a part of it has to do with also like that um, I'm very interested about what it means to be human and how I can use these technologies to 
become better human beings. And uh, because of that, I also have like a bachelor's degree in uh, anthropology. So that's like my scientific <laughs> credential. But in general, like I simply do content on YouTube, on blogs, and uh, I write some books as well. Nice, nice. And what, up to this point, I mean, you've got, you've got some huge things in store. So far, what accomplishment are you most proud of? Mm. In terms of like uh, the business sides or, or the, like the, my personal brand wise, I would say that uh, my book, Keto Bodybuilding, which, which, is, which has been on the bestseller list on Amazon for quite a while, that has that would be like something that that I'm most uh, recognizable for, and uh, in general, other than that, my in, entire uh, blog itself is something that I'm so uh, quite proud of. So that's that's what I would think of uh, my greatest accomplishments so far, and also like you know giving speeches at the Biohack Summit. That's a that's a huge. Uh, uh, you know, thing that I am proud of and uh, definitely planning on uh, keep going in the future. And your blog, where can people check that out? What's the URL? Uh, it's simply seamland.com. S I I M L U or L A N D or L U N D? L A N D, yeah. L A N D dot com. Dot com. Yeah. Nice. And is that, that's all focused on biohacking, human optimization, or as you said, optimizing the human experience? Yeah. Well, like the, the privilege of having your own personal brand is, is that you can kind of write about anything you want, basically. And I do have like many different articles about, you know, nutrition, exercise, sleep, uh, other biohacks, the technologies, but also like book reviews, mindset, philosophy, stoicism, those kinds of things are also like kind of enmeshed in there because I, I don't really look at it as a, you know, specific that dissected or fragmented system. I look at it as a holistic uh, approach and which I call like body, mind empowerment that it involves both your physical, your mental development, your emotional development and uh, trying to build up or trying to become the greatest version of yourself. Because in terms of, if you take the perspective of simply biohacking, then you're always going to be focusing on how, what, what kind of a ma magic supplement can I take? What kind of a hack can I do to game the system and, and to get some results to satisfy my ego or satisfy my cravings, where in reality, the solution would be to improve yourself as a person in general. And that is where the holistic personal development has to also be implemented into the, into the mix of uh, optimizing your physiology. Totally agree. Back like... 2004, 2005, I started reading a little bit in like the relationship advice category. And you start out and you're inspired by pain, like most of most change in our life, you know, you suck at something or like, you know, you're trying to talk to girls and or you can't approach the girl that you want to talk to. And you're like, okay, maybe I just need to know like what to say when I walk up to a girl at a bar or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the deeper you get into it, the more you realize it's personal development like relationship, improving, improving your relationships and all of that is about developing yourself. And I think it's a lot like that with biohacking where we get into it because we're like, oh, I just want to hack my belly fat or I just want to like, I want to get less sleep so that I have more time to be productive during the day. How do I get more out of that sleep? Mm. And then you start realizing those things help and you can, you can have a, a lot of tremendous like accelerations in your journey 
but ultimately it's all interconnected and, and you don't want to just be super productive, but unhappy. And you don't want to just be like meditating all day, but not doing anything. You got to take care of the mind, body, spirit, or as you said, that, that mind, body empowerment. Yeah. yeah, So true. Like a lot of people tend to carry these different issues and turmoil from past histories and past memories inside them already. And like these different, um, they have like, uh, yeah, like emotional baggage, turmoil, and uh, they kind of forget about what's the bigger picture of why they're doing it. Why they decide to get, get fit. Why did they decide to, you know, start taking certain supplements or why did they decide to change their profession? They kind of lose the focus of the bigger picture. So it's always a matter of maintaining a perspective. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because one of my clients who you and I discussed before we started recording has gone through some of those same things. And it's, it's turning out to be a lot more common with men than I even realized because mm-hmm. as I've started sharing some of the things that I've gone through, other guys come forward and share some of the things that they've gone through. And I've also seen a pattern of past trauma or turmoil causing physical health issues especially because as guys, we push that shit down. We don't address it. And the response that a lot of people have is continue to push it down, but try to biohack those health issues, which are manifesting at least in part due to that same emotional suppression. Yeah, exactly. Have you seen, is that anything that have you gone through any trauma? How did you become more aware of, of emotional trauma and turmoil and the way that it impacts our biology? Um, well, I, I started biohacking just to, you know, get fitter and, uh, and, uh, you know, <laughs> improve my perfor- physical performance and things like that, which kind of delved into the rabbit hole of, you know, optimizing nutrition, sleep and so on. But, uh, if I look at back, you know, as a teenager, then all of your motivations are to kind of are based on your social groups and, uh, based on emotions with, you know, trying to impress others or trying to get girls or whatever it may be. Or yeah, like if you, if you dig very deep, then a lot of these things they do go back into some teenage years. And, uh, most people then tend to either have some bad memories about them or they simply haven't experienced something that they wished for their dreams were broken or they were embarrassed about past failures and yeah like uh, it's, it's a common pattern and, and the reason for that is i think like the modern society is simply so out of sync with our uh, primal physiology and there's this huge jet lag between you know we're getting bombarded with a lot of information but you know also like a lot of people tend to seek social gratification from social media and uh, they see a lot of these uh, highlight reels of the successful people and so on which then creates a, a lot of fear of missing out you know the FOMO and also like they, they're simply going to start comparing them to, themselves to other people and uh, yeah they get caught up with again trying to uh, pursue certain things or pursue certain goals that aren't aligned with their own purpose and uh, they're simply trying to please others again yeah i was working from the beach in chicago before i moved down to delray beach and uh i was i had my laptop out and i was at this cafe by the lake and these like four girls i would guess that they were 17 18 probably like the later high school years came walking up 
and they were in their bathing suits and they threw down their stuff and they were setting up their baskets and everything. So it looked real nice. Mm -hmm. And then they took turns pulling out their phones and doing videos and jumping around and dancing. And after like 15 minutes of each of them getting a video, they all put their phones away. They packed up their shit and left. And I was like, what did I just witness? Is this like, is this what we've come to where we're like, we're putting on plays and productions for everybody else. But like at no point in there, did they all just chill and talk and hang out at the beach and have a good time. um, And and, and, yeah. It's, kind of, it's, it's like, yeah, we, we think we're really advanced. We're an advanced species and we have built amazing civilization and technology. But when you look at it, that kind of behavior, then yeah, we're simply primal apes <laughs> living social hierarchies and trying to, you know, trying to satisfy our primal uh, desires and urges. So it's quite, quite crazy. Yeah. And speaking of primal urges, let's, let's talk a little bit about fasting. This, this episode, I'm excited to dive into fasting and the ketogenic diet and anti-fragility. Some of the things that you spoke on in, in Finland. Um, first off, what time is it in, in Estonia right now? Uh, at the moment, it's 7 p.m. So 7 p.m. All right. Yeah. Have you eaten today? Uh, no, no, not really. It's, today was my kind of my um, kind of active recovery day where I didn't work out that hard. And uh, you know, on those days, I kind of extend my fasting window uh, even even longer than that. So it's kind of a very way of promoting more fat burning and uh, also using these other uh, cellular pathways like autophagy and uh, and uh, reducing inflammation. So it's really enjoyable, actually. Do you take any supplements when you're fasting? And uh, not, not really like, uh, I do drink like, let's say some salted, salted water and I may add some apple cider vinegar into it as well to yeah, kind of, to kind of boost, kick, kickstart the uh, process of autophagy and ketosis as well. And, uh, you know, generally like green teas and coffees are also okay, but, uh, I usually try to restrict them at least to a certain uh, time frame. Now, are you saying you've, You've seen research suggesting apple cider vinegar boosts autophagy? Well, it's not going to do it directly. Like there, there simply isn't enough research about autophagy and uh, things like that. But uh, I, I do suggest that it's going to, you know, there are so many, the, the properties of apple cider vinegar are all pro-autophagy, like reduces inflammation, improves blood sugar, re- suppresses insulin, and uh, also like clears out the bacteria in your gut so like it's it's all the signs are pointing towards that in my opinion at least yeah it seems to function a lot like many of the enzymes where if you take them on an empty stomach it it can help clean the blood and rebalance the microbiome and decrease inflammation if you take it with food it helps with digestion absorption and assimilation it's a pretty it's a pretty versatile compound albeit pretty nasty, uh, tasting, <laughs> it's, but it's amazing. It's amazing because you can use it. Yeah. In like all, all different circumstances, like, uh, before a meal, whenever you get hungry after a meal. And uh, also like as a pre-workout, I like to do it as a pre-workout good to really, I also add some, maybe like cayenne pepper or some lemon juice into it as well. And then it's going to have like a really good kick and, uh, you're going to really put yourself into a right state of mind, which is a lot, a lot more healthier and much more effective than dosing down on like 300 milligrams of caffeine from a pre-workout or, or drinking black coffee. So it's definitely something that I really enjoy. And, uh, it's almost like a miracle compound almost. Yeah. It's incredible. So let's talk about fasting. What does, 
do you fast every day? It seems, it seems like you're conscientious to not combine hard training days with fasting days. Mm -hmm. And is, is that to, is that to make sure that you're not stacking too many stressors? Mm. Uh, I do fast like every day and, uh, the length of how long I fast depends on, yeah, mostly on the training I do. And, uh, usually when I'm doing like heavier resistance training, then I try to at least, uh, increase my feeding window. So I, I could make sure like I could have a more anabolic effect on, 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 you know, more protein synthesis for recovery. So in general, like if I'm training hard, then I would eat maybe within four hours or something like that. And if I'm doing like things like cardio or if I'm resting, then I try to, uh, narrow down the eating window even more to maybe like two hours or two, two, two to three hours, depending on the day. And, uh, like generally it's, it's in my opinion, it's a very good, good way of balancing out the anabolic aspect of building muscle and, uh, actually improving your performance while at the same time gaining the longevity benefits of staying in this state of autophagy for at least most of the day and, uh, gaining all the other uh, longevity benefits of fasting. And talking about autophagy for the listeners who aren't familiar, how would you describe the term autophagy? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, autophagy is this uh, cellular process that translates into self-eating or self-devouring, and it's this it's this mechanism when your healthy cells they start to uh, recycle old and worn-out proteins and uh, old cellular debris back into energy. So you're literally eating yourself so that your healthy cells could uh, stay healthy while the old junk is going to get uh, eliminated and you're going to remove the trash, uh, all the toxins, all the inflammations, all this, these other cytokines and this, this cellular debris that gets built up into our system. So it's a very way, good way of maintaining clean, 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 uh, clean body. It's the universe inside of our bodies, essentially. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the it's, old start dying and then they become a part of the earth. And, yeah. and it's like when you look at aging, it makes a lot more sense on a species basis where yeah. it, it almost seems like aging more so is to make room for future generations. Yeah. Yeah. Rather, so, so there's not as much competition for resources and That's space. So yeah. yeah, like the, the mytholo- there's a, like old mythological creature called the Ouroboros, which is the snake biting its own tail. And it's I was literally just like thinking trans- about that earlier, like yeah, the, it, the Kundalini Ouroboros. Yeah. It literally translates into autophagy and uh, it kind of makes you think about, yeah, maybe this uh, egotistic bioha- biohacking desire to become immortal gods isn't actually. Uh, part of the grand scheme of the universe maybe we need to die all of us <laughs> so that so that our you know egos could be recycled into new energies and it's, it's almost like a part of the cycle of life what studies have you seen on fasting that are that you think are most promising mm. Or like, what, are, what do some of the studies suggest that are, are the, benef- the main benefits of fasting? What are the reasons that you personally do it? Yeah, like, well, fasting would be like the best way to cure almost 
all the metabolic diseases of of modern society in my opinion like it improves everything it's going to make you burn fat uh, it improves insulin sensitivity reverses insulin resistance improves blood sugar levels reduces inflammation and heals the gut as well because most of the diseases are linked to a gut dysbiosis or some sort of irregulation in blood sugar and uh, practically like uh, yeah diabetes obesity so all those things, all those diseases can be fixed with simply going on a let's say some sort of a fasting focused lifestyle it doesn't have to be like one meal a day or like things of like that for it's you're going to gain a lot of the health benefits by simply implementing fasting into your life in some shape or form and uh, the results you're going to you're going to get depend on you know how you do it and what's the other diet you follow but also like very very promising research is also showing that Fasting, you know, as well as the ketogenic diet, they can be used for, you know, curing Alzheimer's or preventing it and uh, fighting these tumors, cancers as well, because the autophagy process is literally going to be eating those cancerous cells and burning them off for energy. And everything, everything that is uh, connected to mitochondrial degradation will also be benefiting from this because the old cells and uh, cytokines, they're going to inhibit mitochondrial functioning inside the body. And if you get rid of them, then you're going to allow your healthy mitochondria to function much more healthier. So aging, aging itself is, can be slowed down and uh, alleviated. So fasting is a, one of the best ways of promoting longevity as well. And what type of benefits did you see when you started fasting? Mm. Well, for me, like I've, I've never been obese, so I've never had any serious health conditions. So for me, the biggest benefit came from uh, the mental clarity and the productivity that you gain from fast being in a fasted state. And uh, that's, that's literally like really liberating feeling where you're able to concentrate on stuff uh, for longer periods of time without having to think about food, without going hungry, without feeling tired, without feeling lethargic. And uh, that's one of the best benefits, in my opinion. And that's why I do it as well, to kind of maintain my productivity throughout the day and maintain stable energy levels to not experience any crashes. And the, the reason why this happens is, again, because you're, you're making your mitochondria more efficient and uh, you're becoming more keto-adapted. You're teaching your body to use your own body fat all the time for fuel and uh, you help to mobilize those energy stores much more effectively. Because the, re- the problem with being tired or this problem with being overweight isn't that there isn't enough energy. You know, people carry around thousands and thousands of calories with them all the time. The problem is that they don't know how to get access to that energy. Their body simply has become resistant to burning its own body fat because of, you know, snacking all the time, uh, high carbs, high processed foods, trans fats, all those things. They're basically weakening the mitochondria and uh, fasting actually allows your body to re-strengthen the mitochondria and regain its vigor. What about on the psychological side, on the mindset or mental side of things? Did you, did you notice any eating patterns that maybe weren't based on hunger? Mm, yeah, for sure. Like the psychological aspect of fasting is definitely, uh, it kind of te- also reveals to you that what you think is hunger is most of the time isn't hunger. It's simply some sort of boredom or some sort of procrastination or something. Maybe you simply are dehydrated or something like that. And uh, definitely it kind of, it uh, 
restructures your relationship with food in a positive way. You kind of, first of all, when you're fasting and you don't eat the entire day, then the meal you do eat at, at dinner time is going to be, you're going to appreciate it a lot more because you're, you've been basically being hungry all the day. And uh, it kind of allows you to be more mindful about it. And uh, in my case, I do like feel that it's not going to make me overeat or something like that. You know, some people may tend to react negatively by starting to overeat and uh, binge, binge after, after breaking the fast. But in my experience, it, it can be fixed by simply being, becoming more grateful for the food and uh, making sure that you're getting like a lot of the other uh, psychological satisfaction from the food. So yeah, like most people, when you look at modern society, then uh, the civilization is quite obsessed with food and eating all the time around the clock. First of all, because it's good business. And second of all, because it's very easy for people to get comfortable of you know having access to their pantry and fridge 24-7, eating whatever, whenever they want with no, with, with no restrictions. So yeah, like the fasting is a very, very good way of, or good strategy for especially the modern world to give yourself some positive restriction and positive confinement as a way of giving yourself more freedom in the end and uh, improving your health at the same time. So yeah, it's, it's like elimination is going to, you're going to add onto your life by subtracting from it. Yeah. I joked a couple of years ago because anytime I did a post that was related to food or recipes, it got a ton of shares and likes and views. And when I did, posts on fasting, mm. I would get those like Facebook yeah. angry faces and people like <laughs> people would, people would like take it out on me. Like I was like, I had set out to yeah. take food away from them. Yeah. Um, what's the a longest? lot of people are, yeah. Like people freak out when you hear that you, you should you should skip breakfast or you shouldn't eat any more than three meals a day or something like that. It's quite a, quite bizarre when you think about it because fasting is something that our physiology and evolutionary past is where something that is has become accustomed to us. And uh, it, it can be said that eating all the time, eating three square meals a day is actually the unnormal, the unnatural thing for our bodies. And fasting is, or intermittent fasting of cycling between fasting and eating, that is the actual norm that we should strive for and uh, we should implement. What about the people who try to fast and feel awful, weak, mm -hmm. shaky legs, brain fog? What's going on there? Mm. Uh, usually a, a lot of these problems come from uh, mineral deficiencies and lack of electrolytes because yeah, like sodium and uh, potassium and magnesium, those are the big, big biggest free uh, electrolytes that people are already mostly deficient of. And especially when they're fasting, then they tend to lose it by excreting them through the urine and, uh, and, you know, dehydration. So like generally, whenever I do feel tired slightly, then it may have to do with drinking a little bit of water with some added sea salt or pink lemon and rock salt into it. So that's going to fix a lot of the issues of uh, lethargy and uh, heart palpitations even and muscle cramps and things like that. And generally, like, there's also the problem that if you're fasting, then you may become, yeah, you, you're going to, subconsciously, you're going to start moving less because your body has less energy, uh, less uh, readily available calories. So 
if you're staying indoors all the time, if you're sitting on your couch while fasting, then you're kind of mi- missing the point. You still have to keep moving around. You still have to get sunlight into your body and uh, adjust yourself to the circadian rhythms and get some fresh air and things like that. And uh, whenever I do feel tired, then going for a walk, a little brisk walk for 10 to 15 minutes is going to definitely recharge the entire body and you're going to feel awesome after that. Yeah, it's so counterintuitive. When you feel like garbage, all you want to do is sit on the couch or watch videos or something like that. And I've at least realized in those moments when I'm tired, if I do what I want to do, which is nothing, it just (laughs) extends the amount of time I feel like shit. Whereas if I'm like, all right, snap out of it, go for a jog, jump on the rebounder, go for a walk, do some breath work, something that is an expenditure of energy where even though you, you feel like you're already shortchanged in that department, if you put out a little bit more, it's, you end up feeling way better than yeah. just riding it out and being lazy. Yeah, that's, that's so true. Like most of the results come from simply doing it or simply starting whatever it may be in, in any areas of life, whether that be working out, meditating, starting a business, uh, writing a blog or whatever it may be, asking someone out, you simply have to start doing it. And once you keep going, then eventually you're going to ride the waves of momentum and uh, it's going to get easier. So the initial barrier is always the biggest obstacle of, you know, tipping over the point and, uh, getting into motion it's like physics like newton's first law of physics is as well like an object in rest stays at rest and an object in motion stays in motion unless it comes into contact with another uh, other 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 source of mo- of motion or something like that but it basically means that you have to keep going and uh, start the momentum yourself i heard this really interesting quote from the actress margot robbie the other day and they she was questioned basically saying what do you recommend to people that are trying to get their start in Hollywood or in acting or theater or something like that? And she's like, just work, just start doing stuff. Even if it, even if it's for free, volunteer, get on stage, practice your craft and something will come of it. And there's a lot of parallels there with energy. If you want more energy, start doing things that, you believe or that you're learning on our podcasts generally help your mitochondria make more energy. And you, you may not hit a bullseye with every single one, but start doing shit. And some of it, some of it is going to result in you having more energy and the things that drain you, you know, or maybe you realize if you try to do too many things in a day, your body doesn't recover that well, then you correct course, but it never, ever gets better on the couch or spending more time in bed, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. Like, yeah, people kind of tend to get get caught up with the minutia of, okay, I'm not feeling okay. Maybe I'm going to have, they're going to like self-hypothesize themselves or self-diagnose themselves with all these crazy diseases, like, I don't know, candida or, or Alzheimer's or whatever it may be, where simply they maybe have, you know, haven't gone, they haven't done enough cardio, they haven't eaten a good diet, or they haven't slept enough. So the basics are where all the magic happens most of the time. And like, it's too easy to get caught up with information overload. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the same way that people who haven't exercised a lot or maybe haven't done specifically, you know, maybe they're doing anaerobic exercise and, and, um, high intensity intervals, but they're not doing steady state cardio. Those type of people, we see a pattern of an increased probability that their cells are 
oxygen inefficient, right? Do you think that some of the people that try to transition to keto and it's a big deviation from the way that they've been living, do you think what we're also looking at is some metabolic inflexibility where their cells can pretty much only process carbs efficiently, but for them to run on fats or even a little bit of protein, it's much more difficult. And because there's like a bottleneck and inefficiency in that, in that metabolic process, they end up feeling like garbage because they're not getting enough energy, even though they're getting enough food. Yeah. yeah. You kind of summed it up really well. Like, uh, like I mentioned earlier, like the problem isn't that there isn't enough energy. The problem is that the body doesn't know how to access it. So you're already carrying like tens and thousands of calories with you all the time. So the, the key is to uh, build up keto adaptation uh, with, with the keto diet or with things like fasting and exercise so that your body could access that infinite amount of, you know, <laughs> adipose tissue that uh, we even lean people have. So like the, the, yeah, like the transition process initially is going to be that when you do come off, come from like even a diet that doesn't restrict carbohydrates and uh, maintains even like a semi paleo type diet, then you're still going to experience a, a mild energy crisis when you transition over to keto or when you start doing longer fasts, because the body still needs to build up its, you know, fasting muscle or something like that, you can call it. And uh, generally it's, it, it is like a metabolic inflexibility because when you think about you're eating a carb-based diet and you're and you're running primarily on sugar and glucose, then whenever you do run out of glucose, then you're going to experience an energy crisis because there isn't much glycogen stored inside the body. So you're going to decrease. You're going to you know experience a slump in energy because your body doesn't know how to access fat that easily. But when you're doing the keto diet, then you're primarily running on fat all the time, and uh, you can't run out of fat practically. And virtually, you're you'll be able to fast for like months and months on end before you lose your body fat. So in that scenario, you're metabolically flexible because because you can you can always level up in a sense of 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 gaining of eating carbs and still using them for energy whereas the opposite cannot ha- happen because there's this yeah like the bottleneck effect of uh, not not knowing how to use those fat molecules for and ketones for energy do you remember what it was like for you when you first started fasting yeah like uh, i started fasting for maybe uh, in 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 the end of high school, and initially I did like definitely longer longer time frames. I didn't do one meal a day right away. I started off with like sixteen hours of fasting and eight hours of eating, which is like the general lean gains bodybuilding style. Mm-hmm. And uh, then then I transitioned over to uh, two meals a day of maybe eating just a very small amount of calories in initially, and then fasting until dinner. And eventually I tried a warrior diet, uh, one meal a day, and and uh, then. After that, I kind of went on for the extended fasts. So there's, there is definitely, uh, you're not going to be able to fast for, you know, three days right away and feel great. If you haven't done it before, you have to kind of build up to it and get adapted first. But now I can definitely fast for easily for, you know, week, for a week without even, you know, having, without feeling any catabolism or lethargy or hunger. No shit. You can go a whole week with no hunger. Well, well, it's like it's not it's not like real hunger, and uh, you it's 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 quite convenient. Your body kind of adapts to it very fast, and you get used to it. So it's quite simple, in my opinion, actually. If you if you've done, if you've done these things like uh, in, in the past, 
And are you working out when you're doing those longer fasts? I mean, you've, uh, done, you've done a full week fast before with like no calories. Yeah, like the longest I have done is like a week. Yeah, but uh, in general, like I'm not going to be working out hard during that time. I'm going to be still like moving around, walking and uh, maybe doing like very easy yoga and calisthenics to simply stimulate the muscle because it's very quite critical to actually uh, signal the body that it needs to maintain muscle by, you know, at least contracting the muscles in some shape or form and, you know, not becoming completely sedentary. So I do generally do maybe some resistance bands, some push-ups, pull-ups, some very, something very easy to maintain the muscle. And uh, like, for instance, uh, the last time I did a five-day fast, I was actually traveling between Finland and Estonia, and I was averaging about uh, 10 to 14,000 steps every day. So it was like I wasn't sitting on a couch, I was always moving around. And it actually makes it easier for you to, first of all, not focus on the hunger, and uh, fo- and you keep your mind busy, but also the aspect of staying physically active and walking around is gonna promote. Uh, in my in my theory, it's gonna you know it's gonna promote ketone production, and that's gonna release some energy into your bloodstream, which is gonna keep your brain satisfied, and it's gonna alleviate hunger and all those things. So it's the the physical exercise itself is very pro fasting, and it's gonna mimic the effects of it. Yeah. So the longest fast you've ever done, is it a week? Yeah. Yeah. And you walk a lot, you do some calisthenics. What is one of those calisthenics or band workouts look like just to give people a sense for like reps and sets and, and the amount of time that you're resting between so we can gauge intensity and things like that. Yeah. Like, uh, what, in a fastest state, I would simply aim for maybe like a 10 to 15 minute simple like pump session. Like it has to resemble like a really simple uh, bodybuilding classical type of uh, directing some blood into the muscle and you know, focusing like you're on the pump. getting ready to go on stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like things like that to, to not really, you don't really want to hit a PR and uh, you probably won't be able to do it. So it's not, uh, there's no point of hitting yourself hard because it's gonna, you're not going to be able to recover from it that faster. So yeah, like I, I simply aim for maybe, I would say 20 reps of doing like this elastic resistance band curls with the biceps uh, or some rows with it. And maybe like, yeah, again, 30 to 50 push-ups and maybe some like 20, 20 squats. And I'm going to cycle it between like uh, three to five sets or something like that. And you're moving at a gentle pace, not really pushing yourself too hard, going yeah. into the next set when you feel ready, but it's yeah. not, it, you're not, you're not sweating. You're not out of breath, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gasping for air. I'm not sweating my ass off. I'm simply uh, focusing on the contraction and uh, the blood flow. Nice. And you'd mentioned the electrolytes earlier and that being another one of the reasons that people who kind of transition to fasting while they're still building their, their fasting muscle may experience some of that weakness or, um, waning energy. You just dump pink Himalayan salt in there, or do you use an electrolyte supplement like salt stick or something else? Mm. Uh, there are like a lot of electrolyte supplements, but, um, most of the ratios on of them or the, or the quantities, they aren't really worth it in terms of money and, uh, and convenience, but you can get like most of the bang for your buck by simply using 
regular good quality sea salt or pink pink lemon rock salt and uh, to get the sodium and for like things like potassium and uh, iodine and magnesium then there are these salt substitutes and uh, in the states there's this brand called new salt that has like a ton of potassium for it but in europe there are like different alternatives for it i'm using this finnish brand called Suola or something like that, but yeah, it's basically a salt substitute. It has less sodium, but it's going to have more potassium and iodine. So a lot of the research is showing that sodium's not the problem. It's when we, it's, it's the processing of the sodium that's the issue. Yeah. What, what's the deal with these salt substitutes? Uh, like, I think the salt substitutes are generally safe and uh, they're not gonna raise your blood pressure because you're already fasting and uh, your insulin is so low which is gonna prevent any you know any negative side effects of sodium retention or something that you know the issue is the yeah the fear of salt and uh, the fear of uh, sodium raising your blood pressure comes from uh, the presence of insulin as well and if you're doing like a keto diet or if you're fasting, then you eliminate insulin, you have lower blood sugar in general, and you actually need more salt and more sodium to kind of counterbalance that effect. So research is, yeah, it's, it's, it's showing that it's not the sodium, it's the insulin that is causing the issues. Mm-hmm. And, and that's part of the reason that, it's, that our electrolyte balance can become thrown off more so when we're fasting than when we're regularly eating because of these changes in our insulin and and we we don't have salted food constantly being consumed yeah yeah like the the kidneys uh they're gonna detect low levels of insulin and they're gonna flush a lot or they're gonna release they're gonna hold on to less water and you may potentially simply start urinating a lot and uh, you're going to lose some electrolytes. So to negate that effect, you would make you want to make sure that you're not drinking too much water either because simply gulping down unlimited amounts of water is going to simply make you piss it out, all of it. And uh, also make sure that uh, you do like balance it out whenever you do become dehydrated by adding more sodium into your foods. Yeah, that's a little bit of my beef with a lot of the water biohacks that are out there because they don't take into account the source of the water. Mm. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of people in the biohacking space now that are talking about deuterium and like Mm. the negative health effects of deuterium, but in people whose water is already low in deuterium, adding a little bit has actually been shown to extend lifespan. So Mm. it's like whether or not water contains a lot of salt and electrolytes or contains a lot of deuterium or not a lot of deuterium really depends on what are the best biohacks for that particular water source and the individuals who are consuming it, which is like all this shit comes back to personalization and customization. And it's, it's part of the reason that you and I are encouraging people not to chase every new shiny object, (laughs) like, you know, the supplements of the month and just throw it against a wall and see if it makes a difference. Cause it's, it's like the longest possible path you could take in in optimization is just trying everything you hear that sounds interesting or has some research behind it. Yeah. yeah. It's so true. It's so true. Like 
shiny object syndrome is like a part of part of the human brain <laughs> and uh, we tend to gravitate towards wanting or with we tend to uh, we have this bias of thinking that that something is wrong with us and we simply uh, we are just we have these genetic predispositions that we we need to counterbalance that with um, taking some supplements or using these different gadgets when in reality yeah we simply need to go back to basics and uh, focus on them mm-hmm yeah, it's like, yeah, there, there is there is something wrong with you. There's something wrong with all of us. We're all fucking weird. But because we're all weird, there's nothing wrong with you. You're perfect yeah. the way you're supposed to be. And, and that's what makes you interesting and different. Like if we were all walking around and we didn't have our weird little health things or, or our, our eccentricities, it would make the world a boring fucking place to live. Mm. Um, nice. So how does this... How does fasting, both intermittent and the extended fast that you describe, fit into the concept of anti-fragility? Hmm. Yeah, like, uh, uh, first of all, I would have to describe what is anti-fragility. So it is this uh, concept and a book by this philosopher and uh, economist called uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb. And he basically states that uh, the opposite to fragility isn't something that is resilient or robust. Something that is the opposite to fragility is anti-fragility because a, a fragile thing breaks into pieces when it comes into contact with stressors. A resilient thing simply resists the shock and stays the same. But an anti-fragile thing is actually going to benefit from those stressors and it's going to get better. So those think those this kind of principle can be applied to the general idea of uh, hormetic stressors like exercising uh, fasting caloric restriction carb carb restriction heat and cold therapy those things are all hormetic stressors that are anti-fragile in nature they're going to make you stronger than before so what in terms of fasting what i like about it is that it first of all it makes your body so efficient at producing its own energy all the time you don't have to worry about oh, I didn't eat my breakfast today, now I'm going to feel tired, or I'm going to feel unmotivated to work out, or whatever it may be. You, simply, you're, you're, you will always be at a, at a position of anti-fragility. You don't really need to eat to function and feel at your best. You're always going to be able to uh, be performing whenever it needs to be, and uh, you're all, you're, you will always be psychologically uh, liberated from the presence of food. You don't need it to... Uh, satisfy your desires and uh, you're going to be actually much more healthier and more grateful after you start eating again. So anti-fragility is a term or a solution for this nerfed up world we live in where a lot of people have just gone soft. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's for sure. Like generally like the modern society tends to be more fragile and uh, we have built all these systems and uh, different uh, gadgets and uh, yeah like connections but those systems are very bound to break <laughs> let's say like yeah we, we don't really if you take a lot if you take away a person's smartphone then they're quite they're in a very fragile position they're going to get lost without google maps even and uh, they, they, they're they going to get anxiety attacks if they haven't checked their social media or in terms of food they're going to feel tired and lethargic if they don't eat a healthy, a healthy breakfast of, uh, you know, cereal and bagels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things that we do at biohacking week is we integrate hermetic stressors and some other activities. Some are physical, some are psychological, but it's, I talk about investing in resilience. It's the mm-hmm. same concept, right? Well, yeah. resilience 
resilience doesn't necessarily imply bouncing back from the stressor even stronger. It more is like you're able to tolerate the stressor and your, your resistance to stress is higher. Mm-hmm. I like the anti-fragile concept. And this was, this was something that was just brought up to me a couple of weeks ago. And I feel like the, the universe conspires and these little coincidences have meaning. And then, yeah. you know, seeing your talk at, at the biohacking summit and then, you know, the, the fact that we're discussing this now, there's a reason for that. Like I just invested in the audiobook. I'd, I'd love to get the nuts and bolts of this from, from you rather than even having to read it. Um, so yeah, like, fast, like fasting is resembles anti-fragility very well because uh, it, it involves like the, both the psychological and physiological detachment from everything, whether that be food or like some sort of narrative that you tell in, in your head, you're going to have to let it all go and you have to basically you're going to recycle yourself both uh, into in the cellular level without autophagy as well as on your personality level uh, by uh, eliminating your ego and uh, trying to suppress these certain urges and uh, not giving a damn about it you're going to detach yourself from the desires and this is a good like self-control practice and uh, self-healing practice as well yeah there's a lot of buddhism there and you, you which, is, which is why fasting has been practiced for thousands of years in in any society almost yeah it's it brings awareness to the motivations that are separate from from the physiological right mm-hmm. like oh i don't i don't always eat when i'm hungry i eat when i'm bored right when i'm sad or i eat when my mood is fucked up and I'm self self medicating with carbs yeah. or sugar or something like that. Cause it gives me a little bit of an energy rush. Um, and what are some other practices for becoming anti-fragile, at least biohacking practices or, or lifestyle implements? Hmm. Um, well, of course, uh, doing these types of in- implementing like different training modalities, uh, that involve both the anaerobic and aerobic fitness as well. You want to be able to perform physically in, in whatever situation you, you come across. You, you never want to narrow down yourself to a very specific sport or, or um, training modality for too long because it's going to make you fragile and it's going to generally lower your overall fitness. So yeah, cycling between different training modalities is a good idea. Then of course, implementing cold and heat thermogenesis, those are also one of the top, top-notch anti-fragility strategies. And uh, also, like, I, I like to think of uh, anti-fragility from the perspective of nutrition and food as well to kind of build up a good microbiome that is uh, capable of handling different in- environmental stressors and uh, inflammatory foods even. Like, for instance, one of the biggest mistakes or one of the biggest problems I see with these very restrictive diets like keto, paleo, or vegan is that they tend to make the person metabolically inflexible. Like uh, they're going to actually lose their ability to metabolize carbohydrates, or they're going to feel crap when they get kicked out of ketosis, or they can't tolerate gluten because they avoided it for, so, for, for too long, or they can't eat nightshade or legumes. And the problem isn't that those foods are objectively bad. The problem is that their particular subjective gut microvola isn't capable of uh, digesting them. So you, you can build up a much more anti-fragile microbiome as well by you know, eating a wide variety of foods 
and cycling between different types of diets, different types of trainings, and uh, always staying uh, in motion almost. Yeah, there's this concept in training where use it or lose it. Or as we age, if you don't demand an output of strength from your body or your body to maintain a strong aerobic engine, you start losing those things. And it's almost the same way with nutrition. If you completely cut all forms of gluten, even the good ones like um, certain organic legumes and grains and things like that. Um, not that I don't think legumes have gluten, but um, <laughs> or um, or even as you mentioned, nightshades. Your gut microbiome adjusts and produces more of the bacteria to digest, assimilate, and absorb what you're eating. Mm. But conversely, you don't produce the ones to break down the foods that you've eliminated so that you become way more sensitive when you do eat those. Yeah. Foods. Yeah. What's the best way to maintain that balance? And, and, and similarly, like how do you get the benefits of a ketogenic diet without making yourself metabolically inflexible on the other side of the spectrum? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, of course, uh, gluten isn't very healthy for you and you do want to avoid it for the vast majority of time. I'm not saying that you should eat cake every day. I'm saying like, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a generally a healthy trend to, you know, introduce some of these potential allergens into your diet every, every, every like few months or something like that. Most of the time you do want to eat a very, you know, restricted diet that incorporates only the healthy foods and the ones that you don't uh, have an autoimmune response towards. So in general, like in my, I would suggest like you would maybe, you're, you're gonna be a very good position if you have like a few of these, uh, not, I'm not gonna say cheat days, but let's say like this specific, uh, you know, birthdays or holidays or what, or Christmas or whatever it may be where you do eat these other traditional foods that aren't particularly healthy for you, but they still help you to maintain your metabolic flexibility. So those are the only times I would say it's okay to have a sort of treat and then to justify it as a hormetic stressor for yourself. So <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So, so, so those are the only times that are good, you know, to make an exception. And, uh, in terms of the keto aspect, then there are definitely ways of, uh, implementing or in increasing your metabolic flexibility on a more consistent basis as well, like doing the, either the cyclical ketogenic diet, that is basically you eat keto for a week and then you have like one day of carb up, uh, or the targeted ketogenic diet where you basically consume a very small amount of carbohydrates, like five to 10 grams of high glycemic carbohydrates during like intense workouts. Those are very good ways of, you know, burning ketones and fat for the vast majority of time during the day and then using those carbohydrates in only very specific circumstances when you're going to basically burning them off for your energy right away and you're going to dip back into ketosis afterwards. So while you're training in a fasted state or in, in ketosis, slam like a pixie stick or a bag of gummy bears? <laughs> yeah, that, that could work, yeah. <laughs> and uh, those are those are like very... very you would want to use something that is like high in glucose instead of fructose so that the glucose would be used for muscle glycogen. So what are some healthy, healthier examples? Uh, generally, like whenever I do the targeted keto, for instance, then I would take like maybe a half a banana, a very ripe banana that is less in fructose and more in glucose, 
or or something like dextrose powder, which would be slightly unhealthier, but okay still. Or maybe like, yeah, even some fruit, they can be okay, like higher glycemic fruit, maybe like grapefruits or dates or something like that. Those are also okay. But uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's much more difficult to eat, <laughs> eat like a baked potato at the gym or <laughs> in between sets. So. <laughs> uh, that's a scene. Yeah, yeah. My, my brother lived in Cairo, Egypt for almost a decade. And over there, he started observing Ramadan because like everyone's doing it. So there's these extended fasts. And one of the practices that they, that they do is when they're breaking fast, they'll, they don't go crazy like we do with those cheat days you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. They'll start mm-hmm. with like a couple dates. That's how they break their fast. And they're, they're, they're breaking their fast with this form of, at least in terms of natural foods, uh, a, a quick absorbing glucose, sugar. Mm-hmm. They're not doing excessive amounts of it. And it's like they've sort of intuitively stumbled upon what we're now seeing validated in the scientific literature as a very beneficial approach. Mm. Yeah, like Ramadan is a good example of, of how religions and societies can implement fasting. But, you know, fasting dates back before Ramadan and before Islam. So it's definitely something that uh, even even like any society should implement. But But at the same time, Ramadan has its issues as well. Like, I'm not really... I'm not really that big of a fan of the of the timing schedule of when they fast and when they break the fast. You know, they're gonna basically fast when the sun is out, and after sunset they're gonna start eating, which is like they're gonna they're gonna cause like some sort of circadian misalignment in their biology by you know feeding at night, and uh, that's that's not something I think is good in the long term. Yeah, that's that's a big one. So. You're referring to the fact that we know the, the, the three components that have the biggest impact on our circadian biology is sunlight, movement, and food. And if they're laying low all day fasting, and then at night when they can eat, they're slamming food and probably a little bit more active, um, mm. maybe, even, maybe if it's just between the sheets, they're hitting two out of the three things that are going to send signals to their body like, oh, nighttime yeah. is daytime and, and, yeah. and vice versa. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, a problem. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that, that, that's the reason they do it is that probably it's been written down in the Quran and it's been embedded into the religious texts and it's taken as dogma. And you, they don't really, Islam is a quite strict uh, religion and they don't, they're not going to change the old old traditions and which is which is a shame because the much more you know scientific approach would be to update the current religion based on the science that we have already. They should actually shift the the feeding window a few hours earlier so that they would maybe have like a huge dinner, but they're not gonna eat at night at midnight or something like that. Like they they have to kind of <laughs> they have to swallow their ego and uh, kind of update the religious doctrine. Eat your ego. You're fasting. Yeah. Autophagy. That's <laughs> <laughs> autophagy. Um, Sim, what the, I, I know you're fasting right now. The last time you ate, what did you eat? What was your meal? Um, well, I do like uh, the keto diet, basically. And uh, I kind of do, based, based on like the day I eat, I may implement a few carbs as a post-workout or something like that. But generally, what I eat is like, my favorite foods are definitely eggs my home homemade homegrown eggs you got and, chickens uh, yeah well, i have a few chickens yeah and uh, they, 
they give us like a solid amount of eggs I can eat every day. So they, gen- they wake you up in the morning. You got roosters too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but I'm actually up before the roosters. <laughs> You'd go get her, you. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, like a, a few eggs, then a good salad with some spring onions, red onions, uh, maybe some spinach every once in a while, some uh, cucumbers, and uh, some some steamed vegetables, cabbage, broccoli. Uh, maybe ha- half an avocado or uh, an entire avocado, then maybe some olive oil. And next to that, definitely some fish or either some meat. And my favorite fish are like salmon. Favorite meat is uh, some, 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 some sort of beef. And uh, I generally c- try to get like the fattiest chunks of, of uh, like the leftover meats almost that the butchers don't put on shelves these uh, bone broth meats that are come with uh, like the tens and tendons and ligaments those are the most nutritious parts and they're the cheapest ones as well so i'll be happily to consume them on my keto diet and get more nutrition <laughs> with uh, with less expenses as well and definitely some organ meats as well like every once in a while i try to get like two at least two times a day or two times a week i'll try to eat some organ meats and when you're in ketosis, what are like your go-to quick and easy meals when you're trying to stay ketogenic? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> like uh, the qu- it, whenever I, like, let's say if I'm traveling or something like that, then I'm always fasting basically, which is the best biohack of uh, avoiding all the potential unhealthy foods. But like quick, easy keto foods would be like that you can carry around with you would be like something like boiled eggs, or a can of sardines and uh that's basically it that's or beef jerky even like uh, some some homemade sausages like dried up sausages those are good for uh traveling with you and uh generally like you're not gonna be missing out on like skipping a few vegetables for a few days or something like that Mm -hmm. yeah And, and i've noticed there's depending on where people are at along that continuum of of metabolic health some people don't do well right away transitioning into a ketogenic diet and their digestion or enzyme production or bile production so compromised that they need to take a step back and address certain gut infections and enzyme production before they can enjoy some of these foods you're talking about, like the the beef and and mm. the fattier cuts and and so on and so forth. Even the higher protein meals that you see more commonly with a paleo template. Yeah. Have you seen yeah. that with clients at all? Or are most of your clients in a position where they can transition right away and they do well? Uh, yeah. A lot of the people, like most of them actually feel quite good uh, right away as long as they get like their electrolytes and uh, minerals in check. But people who tend to have like digestive issues from eating keto foods, I, I would suggest that most of it is because they lack the uh, production of uh, hydrochloric acid in their gut. Their, their intestines are too alkaline, actually. And because of, I don't know, avoiding certain foods or, or, or simply having some sort of uh, inflammation in there. And generally, what I recommend for people to do is that, you know, add some uh, more apple cider vinegar into their foods and some lemon juices as well, though, for, for like breaking down fats and proteins. It's going to be very beneficial for the digestion and uh, also things like uh, ginger and turmeric, they're also great for helping, especially the absorption of proteins and uh, these meat parts. And yeah, generally, whenever you do eat, you actually want to promote some acidity in your gut. You don't want to be alkaline before you eat. 
and uh, apple cider vinegar is another amazing thing for that yeah it's part of the reason you don't want to be drinking alkaline water when you're taking supplements or or water period with meals but especially not alkaline water um swedish bitters are also really good for kind of waking up the body and getting mm. get, getting those enzymes to start being produced at higher levels um yeah. all of these polyphenols and different pigments those are really good for uh you know fighting the infections in your gut as well and cleaning cleaning house and uh, helping with digestion so and they're all like linked to longevity so i i try to get a lot of to ton of you know herbs spices polyphenols into my diet every day as well and you consume those fresh uh most of them are fresh yeah but uh, some of them uh some of them are in a supplement form or let's say in a powder form Okay, cool. And powder that's encapsulated or what do you like? How do you consume your herbs? How do you uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's sourced from uh, some local brands and uh, things like that, like, uh, like, uh, let's say, uh, rosemary and uh, ginseng and those, those, those kinds of things. You put them in a smoothie? Um, I have, I have like uh, different types of way you can do it. Yeah. You can put it, you can put it in a smoothie. You can use them as, as a dressing for your salad. You can put them on your eggs and, uh, yeah, there are, there are many ways of doing it. Or I can simply take a, like a half teaspoon of it and simply swallow it. Yeah. I, I used to do that with ginseng. I had this incredible ginseng, ginseng supplement that only came as a powder and it was very high in ginsenocides. And I would bring it with me even when I traveled and just throw back like a big scoop of it. Mm. And I was, this was like 2007 and I was in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico with a bunch of my best friends. And one of them came down while I'm taking my supplements and he <laughs> sees me chucking back this, this spoon of ginseng. And he's like, what is that? And I'm like, it's ginseng. And he's like, what's it for? And I'm like, ah, it's really good for energy. It's an adaptogen. And you know, I see his eyes glaze over and he goes, give me some of that. Yeah. So I'm like, dude, it's, it's potent. You know, he grabs a scoop of it, throws it back. And before he can even chase it with some water, have you seen those videos online where it's like the cinnamon test? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was basically like the cinnamon test in my bedroom. He just, wow. ah, he coughs this huge <laughs> cloud of ginseng up and he's like, his eyes start watering. He's like reaching for the water, but he can't see. And I give him the water and he chokes it out. He's like, how the fuck are you taking that every day? And, um, yeah, so he's, he's more of a capsule guy, but cool, man. what's, what's your favorite supplement? If wow. you could only have one. What would it be? <laughs> well, I would have to kind of go back again to, you know, think, thinking or focusing on sleep as a supplement because like sleep is one of the best, the fundamental, you know, things that is going to improve almost everything else you do as well. And, uh, it's gonna, you know, it's promote muscle recovery, promote cognitive repair, focus. It's going to help you to f concentrate, makes you feel, you know, it removes anxiety and um, improves your mood. All those things that are associated with sleep as well. So if, if I were to think of sleep as a supplement, then, uh, it's, it's going to be something that, yeah, it, it, from the perspective of biohacking, it would be something to focus more on and start actually quantifying. When do you, when do you go to bed at night? Uh, I generally go, I try, I always try to go and go into bed around or before 11 PM. And, uh, generally, so in my opinion, it's a good, good setting point for a proper circadian alignment. When do your, when do your roosters wake up? 
<laughs> well, the, the the roosters uh, they start they usually they, well they're like during the night time they're inside their barn so I have to wake up first to let them out and uh, generally it's gonna be around six six or six yeah six a.m. is is a, is a good uh, time for me at summer when I wake up. Okay, so you're only in bed for for seven hours. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Gener- you, you, in, in average, yeah, six six or seven even. Okay, cool. And what's your favorite biohack overall? I'm going to also come back to a, that supplement question because mm-hmm. I still want to know like an actual supplement actual supplement. Supplements. So think on that in the background. But what's your what's your favorite overall biohack? Uh, I would say like the cold heat thermogenesis or the cold heat contrast with a sauna and an ice bath. That's like the best, best biohack in my opinion. And it really has the biggest effect on your, your physiology as well as your psychology. And you're literally going to feel alive and you're going to feel like a million bucks afterwards. Yeah. And are you close to the Baltic? I'm not, uh, I'm not great at ge- Estonian geography, even though... Yeah, like Estonia is located uh, on the shores of Baltic Sea, Baltic sea and I'm, I'm actually living on an island uh, in the Baltic Sea, so I'm surrounded by it. And uh, we, yeah, we, ha- we have some good beaches and uh, the, the sea is quite close to me. How often do you get in the Baltic? Uh, yeah, I would, I would want to go with more often to, to go for swimming, but I would say like, yeah, maybe... Once, once or twice a month or something. I've been uh, in in recent months. Yeah. When I was there, when I was at in Finland, Helsinki for the Biohacker Summit, I one of the mornings went for a run, and then I was like, "All right, I'm going to jump in the Baltic before I head back and and get ready." So I kind of stripped down to my boxers. I jumped in. It was definitely top five coldest fucking water I've ever been in in my life. And I was, I was in there for maybe two minutes and I get out and I was like, you know, when you come out of really cold water and you're just, your, your muscles aren't working right. Everything's kind of like starting to lock up. It's like you're, you're moving around in molasses. So I was just like, Oh, forget it. I just grabbed all my stuff and I ran back to, to the place I was staying at. And I was so cold. I couldn't open the door. And this, old ladies coming down the street with a walker and I'm sitting there in my underpants trying to like open the door, looking, looking like a special needs child. Cause I can't even function at the most basic level. And she stands there for a second, just staring at me and looking at the door and taking everything in. And then she goes and she punches in the door code and lets me in because she just feels bad for me. But you guys have a, a, a true gift with that Baltic sea there. I felt amazing afterwards. Like my energy was sky high all day. It was fantastic. Yeah. What time of the year was it? This was November. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's that's like starting to get cold. Like in the winter months, it's gonna be really cold, and uh, it's 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 even even like even more invigorating when when there's snow next to you and uh, you have to break the ice even. Oh yeah, I can imagine. Or right after a sauna, you know. Yeah, was, yeah. My body was heated up from the run, but nothing like if I was coming fresh out of a sauna. Yeah, yeah. That, that's like literally you're gonna f- when you're gonna go into the cold. You're gonna get your. You're gonna feel very numb, and when you go back into the sauna, then you're gonna literally feel like your body's entire body's surging. Like you, it's like the blood vessels are almost going to, about to pop, and uh, it's like really something, something different. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing. Who inspires you? Um, for, yeah, for like my biggest inspiration is 
feeling generally grateful for even being alive in this particular day and age as a human being, you know, like this is the most almost this, this is like literally the best time to be a human up until that point, up until this point, like we have, you know, less, less war than ever before. We have less suffering than ever before. And we have more opportunities than ever before. Like we can start our own businesses online. We can literally communicate with each other from across the world. We have technology, we have uh, amazing, uh, we have amazing opportunities to create our own name for ourselves. So that's like the biggest thing that gets me out of bed to not take this for granted and to take, uh, take advantage of what, what I've been able to uh, do so far and uh, to keep going. Is there a person that inspires you or people where you look at the work they've done or the impact that they've had and, right. and it, it, it drives you forward? Not any particular celebrity or 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 anyone like that. Uh, I, I yeah I I say maybe get inspiration from wanting to uh, be a better person and for for my own family and friends and to kind of embody the world I want to see in my own flesh. What's your favorite movie, documentary, or book besides Anti Fragile? <laughs> My big, my favorite book is uh, Viktor Frankl's *Man's Search for Meaning*, and he's like, uh, and he's a survivor of Auschwitz from the Second World War. And his book basically kind of tells you that whenever you are in these different cir- difficult circumstances in life, or you're suffering, or you're going through difficult times, then you can always transcend that suffering by simply changing your perspective and uh, trying to look at or trying to seek a bigger meaning. From that, uh, from that suffering, and in so doing, you're actually making yourself anti-fragile, and uh, you're gonna free yourself from uh, this, from the negative effect of the particular event that you're going through. And it's like a very, it's a good way of finding meaning in a world that is indifferent to the suffering of conscious human beings, and uh, kind of standing, uh, standing strong against that. I think that's a a big flaw in biohacking is that it's so focused on mind body performance that it can come at the expense of spirit Mm. and our spiritual development. And as I've made more of an effort to focus on my spiritual development, because I neglected it for so long, pretty much from when I was like 11 and decided organized religion, at least as I was introduced to it, wasn't necessarily my thing. Mm-hmm. I think I accidentally cut myself off from the higher level of spirituality. Right. And as I've started making efforts to pray more and connect more with that, it's allowed me to accept things as divine intervention or just saying like, okay, everything happens for a reason. I don't need to understand it because I'm not that smart. And there's something that, that has, that's, that's omnipotent and omnipresent that has a plan for all of us. And it's allowed me to also turn over some of this need to control things and instead accept it, go with it and say, all right, God, source, universe, whatever word that you want to use to refer to that higher power, nature, what's your intention for me? What's, what's the reason I'm here? How can I do, how can I serve your will? 
and taking myself out of it a little bit has helped with some of the stress of needing to have everything fall my way or biohack everything. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's just a rant really. (laughs) It goes back. It goes back to, uh, uh, using autophagy to kill your ego. (laughs) Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, what do you do when you're feeling stressed? Uh, well, first of all, I would want to look at, you know, what could be the potential things that is causing me stress and, uh, did, did I get a bad night's sleep or have I been sitting, sitting in a chair for too long and, uh, or did I work out too hard last night or whatever it may be. But, uh, what, what I do to kind of counterbalance that is to the easiest thing I usually do is, you know, lay on my back, do some, you know, stretching a little bit, foam rolling and do some easy yoga movements to, you know, fix my posture to promote mobility. And then I usually go for a walk as well to, you know, detach myself from my work, uh, spend time in nature, kind of listen to something else that is focusing my mind on something, you know, that is more meaningful and more grateful and uh, kind of recenter myself and become more mindful. So you're not listening to podcasts or audiobooks when you walk? Are you kind of unplugged? I, I usually listen. I usually do listen to them, and uh, but I tend to not be in this very focused hustling mode. So let's say I'm not listening to these business podcasts. Security. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll listen to something that is more soothing and more philosophical. That's that kind of makes me think in a bigger perspective. And you mentioned stoicism earlier. What mindset shift or stoic philosophy has had the biggest impact on your life? Um, it, it may be like Viktor Frankl's book. Yeah. Like, uh, it, he's, he's not a stoic per se, but he embodies like stoic philosophy of not being influenced by external events and always centering your circle of control within yourself and uh, being finding peace within yourself always whenever you wherever you are and uh, i think that is that has been like like the biggest thing in terms of being grateful in the present as well as centering myself or becoming more uh, resilient or anti-fragile against uh, external events nice and let's say you're on an island by yourself for an extended period of time, there's plenty of food. You're going to be able to sleep great. You can exercise if you want, or you'll probably get plenty of exercise building shelter and those sorts of things. What, what one supplement do you bring with you? Hmm. Well, it depends on what kind of Island it is. <laughs> uh, I would take, I would take like, uh, Actually, it's going to be, it's not a real supplement, but it's like almost a food. I would take like uh, bee pollen, which is, which is a great, you know, source of micronutrients. And it's one of the best superfoods, like people can implement in the diet. I've been experimenting with only like a few months and I do notice like it's very, it has like all the amino acids you could ever need almost. And uh, it's it's not like, it's not going to replace real food, but it's definitely going to give you some uh, micronutrient boost uh, that you probably aren't getting in, in, from your reg- regular food. 
And do you do that where you actually eat the pollen or do you do it encapsulated form? I have, I have like a, this, this bag of bee pollen, like uh, these granules. Oh uh, yeah. And I usually take like maybe uh, one, one teaspoon every day or something like that. And is that local? Is that from local yeah, bees? Yeah, it's, it's local from, from Estonia. So it's also fantastic for allergies. Yeah, yeah, like uh, yeah, it's 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 a good way to yeah build up again your uh, resiliency against uh, these uh, in, these allergies. Nice. And and last question, Sim. This has been a lot of fun. What's one product that you can't live without? Well, but honestly, I'm. I feel like I'm at a position that. I don't need any any supplement or any particular technological device to keep myself happy or keep myself functioning at a at a good position. Like uh, I feel like you know things like fasting and things like exercise and sleeping well and meditation. They're already some of those things that are gonna kind of build a good solid character and good solid state of physiological functioning that I don't, I don't, I don't really need anything else. So you could say that, uh, I wouldn't be able to function or wouldn't live without, uh, sleep or wouldn't, wouldn't live without meditation (laughs) because those things are gonna make everything else work much more effectively. And they're like meta skills. They're gonna make, they're gonna improve every aspect of your, of your life and whatever you may be doing it. Nice. And what, Sim, for people that want to follow more of what you're doing, you've got, you've got a podcast, you've got your keto bodybuilding book, you've got your website, simland.com. Where's the best place for them to go to find more of your work, to stay up to date on upcoming projects? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, all, I'm like, uh, my social media channels are all, are all Simland. And I have a YouTube channel, Instagram. Uh, website seamland.com and my podcast is a body mind empowerment with seamland and you can find them on basically all the uh on the, on all the podcast apps beautiful man well this has been fun hanging out sim i hope in the future we can connect in in stockholm or estonia or helsinki and do some fun stuff together and i know you and uh you and our, our mutual friend are planning on doing some collaborations i'm excited to see what you guys are working on and this has been a blast, man. Yeah, definitely. I really enjoyed talking to you. And uh, it's been an honor to have you to be on your podcast. So yeah, definitely looking forward to it in the future. Well, thank you, brother. It's been an honor to have you. And guys, Simland, S-I-I-M-L-A-N-D.com. He's got the Keto Bodybuilding book that's been a bestseller on Amazon for a long time. And uh, you can find him at Simland on all social media and check out his podcast too. Sim, you're a rock star, man. Let's stay in touch and find some more cool stuff to do together. Yeah, I'll see you around. This episode is brought to you by the Violite. So many of the health experts and world-class athletes I've interviewed over the years have revealed one of their secret weapons to improve performance is photobiomodulation and specifically light therapy. And the Violite is one of the best photobiomodulation device companies on the market. I'm a big fan of their product. 
the Neuro, which is a transcranial intranasal headset that gives efficient and effective whole brain stimulation. Its design utilizes photonic energy to stimulate cellular function in neurons and help improve brain bioenergetics. I'm also a big fan of the 655, which is a 655 nanometer red intranasal light therapy device that helps stimulate your body to move towards an ideal internal environment. It lowers inflammation. It kills pathogens in the blood. This low-level laser diode, it releases coherent light in the visible red spectrum, and it irradiates the capillary-rich nasal cavity. I've found all three products to have a huge impact on maximizing my performance, and you can check them out at violite.com. That's V-I-E L-I-G-H-T.com. And for a special bonus to you guys, Violet is offering 10% off of your purchase. So all you have to do is use the discount code biohacks, that's B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S at checkout, and you will save 10% on your order. So check out the Violet product line. You will not be disappointed. <laughs> 